This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 270, Ranking the Pixar Golden Age. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hello, animation addicts. My name is Chelsea Robson. And I'm Morgan Stradling. Oh, we are in this list-making zone. We're just cranking them out. We love our lists. We're going into like kind of a really fun era of Pixar right here. Mm-hmm. We just finished the classic era, introducing our baseline, some essential Pixar characters during that era, Toy Story being one of the main ones. And now we're really hitting our stride. Pixar was top of the top, top dog in animation. Everyone wanted to be them. Everyone was trying to be them. Everyone was copying them to some mm-hmm. extent. So this was a good time to be working at Pixar. I, I remember I was in college at this time and all I wanted to do was work at the marketing department of Pixar. I was always looking at their website for internships and I would apply and I would all different, you know, any sort of, if it was a fit, I would apply for it and never heard anything back, which was very unfortunate, but (laughs) it would have been a dream for sure. Yeah. So we are going to have a great time talking about this, the golden age, if you will. And that's an interesting title. I I'm, we shall talk about whether this age or the previous age, which, which is better. So we'll see you in a sec. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All 
All right, all right, all right. The Pixar <laughs> Golden Age, 2004 to 2010. There are six films during this age. Classics, iconic. You will love it. We're starting off with The Incredibles, 2004. Brad Bird, gotta love him. And The Incredibles was very, very incredible. The box office did $631 million. So much money. So much money. The Incredibles really was a standalone film. Everyone volleyed for a sequel for years and years. This was really like where Brad Bird became a name for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's been doing this for a really long time, so it's not like he was new at making movies, but like from he entered into my world uh -huh. and I was like, ah, oh, I now know who you are. And The Incredibles, I mean, it just it really set a standard for what people expected out of the superhero genre, which would be hitting its full force a few years later. The great thing I love about Brad Bird is that his films, he is such an adamant defender that animation is a medium. Yes. It's a medium that can tell all sorts of genres. It can tell the horror genre. It can tell the superhero genre. It can tell whatever fairy tale and that it's not just something that is for kids. And you see that in his films in The Incredibles isn't a kid's film. It's a film made for adults that kids also enjoy. And you'll yes. see that with his other films as well. Ratatouille coming on later on. I mean, Ratatouille isn't a kid's film. No. If you're really looking at the themes and the intricacies of it, it's a film made for adults that tackles a variety of interesting concepts, but it is primarily for adults. And I think that's why his films are so great and why The Incredibles is so great, because he doesn't pander down. He uses the medium to enhance the story that he has to tell. This is mm -hmm. a story about this family, this marriage that just has this super component to it and the struggle that they are having in their marriage, you know, as things are get they're getting older and then the family's getting older and, you know, he's having a hard time at work. And it's just a really, really great story about family dynamics mm -hmm. with all these other great things as well. Syndrome. I just love Syndrome <laughs> as a villain. And my favorite thing is that the He's concept artist dark. just subtly designed it after Brad Bird and he didn't <laughs> realize it. And when you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, that is Brad Bird. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm pretty sure that what you just explained, you know, goes back to the first section of movies that we just did and then this whole coming up era where it really did all of these movies are for adults you look at each one of the the actual stories happening and they're for adults and i think that the the fact that every one of these these directors so john lasseter p dr andrew stanton brad bird leon Critch, like all of them loved animation as a medium so much and it comes through that they are telling their stories through this, no matter what genre that might fall into. I love that. So next up, we have Cars 2006, John Lasseter. I remember when I saw the preview for this, I was like, what? I didn't quite get it. And it just seemed more kiddie to me. Yes. However, Cars, when it came out, it was actually really great. And Cars has become this epic, iconic franchise for Pixar. Mm -hmm. Little boys love their cars and girls. but. I see a lot of boys playing with cars and it, every little kid that I know, it seems like they have a few 
Pixar cars. They have Lightning McQueen. They have made, you know, they they have these cars. and They're just zooming them around their house and they really hit a really great medium or niche with cars. Yes. So cars, actually, I think that the public kind of felt the same way you did when you said that this felt like it seemed a little kiddie because the worldwide box office was actually 200 million lower than what it was for the Incredibles. So it's kind of a, a interesting roller coaster that they go through. And so Finding Nemo was huge. Finding Nemo, almost a billion dollars, 936 million. Then The Incredibles, 631 million. And then Cars, 461. But then Ratatouille with Brad Bird, which comes next, pops it right back up to the 600s. But at least, you know, Cars, they only spent 70 million on the budget. So good for them. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't really care that much. Like, you know, it's still a really good ROI. <laughs> I have cars being 121 for the bu- 120 for the budget. Oh, really? The numbers, Disney's box office history definitely was what I'm sure Pixar would like it to be. <laughs> Only 70 million <laughs> versus the 120. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't know where they're getting their numbers, but yeah, this is you start looking at the budgets at this point in time and it's just like up, 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 up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it just hardly goes down ever. So I bet they missed the 120 million days. Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't have a lot to say about cars. I've seen cars a few times, but it's not something that even when I'm watching it, I'm not totally drawn in. I agree. And and love my experience watching cars. I agree. It's one of those that I'd rather, I I think is pretty, but I don't, I don't get tied in as much. And I think I probably should considering I'm from what would be more known as like the, in the West, you know, so it's very much Arizona type landscape and route 66 goes right through us. And so not, I mean, I'm not anywhere close to it, but (laughs) it's the, the concept of it. I, I can see, I guess I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a place now where I kind of just don't like having people move in to where I'm at. So (laughs) I like, I kind of wish that route 66 was, you know, if I were in that position, I'd be like, sweet, go away, everybody. (laughs) Let me live my Mm -hmm. life. (laughs) So the next one is Ratatouille 2007. Brad Bird is back at it. Pretty quick turnaround. Now, this film was one that he had taken over previously. So it wasn't his concept, wasn't necessarily his idea, but it just wasn't going the way that it needed to. And so Brad Bird stepped in and saved the day and turned this into one of Pixar's most iconic films in my mind, because it's just so unique and different and classically Brad Bird as far as the box office, you know, he brings in the bacon. It yeah. was $623 million box office. At this point, this was the most expensive Pixar film to date, $150 million. But I think that's because they were pretty far into production and there was already a lot spent when he came around. And yeah. so it just needed that extra uh, fundage to make it work. <laughs> Did and fundage, bro. I love Ratatouille. It's just this unconventional main character it has this premise that it's it threads throughout and they explicitly say it that anyone can cook and and we have this main character whose just dream and desire is to do that and it seems totally impossible and he's able to come across someone else who 
who you would think would never be able to cook, but by <laughs> some, you know, happenstance, they come together and they work together and they really transform. And, you know, we have, we have, uh, the little short guy who the chef, uh-huh. who, who's kind of a, a villain, but he gets taken care of pretty quick through the first half. And then, and then the, the true villain is the critic. And just the way that this film ends with like the critic turning back around, you know, he was mm-hmm. such a, he immediately dismissed Gusto's because, you know, no, Gusto's gone and Gusto's isn't good anymore and blah, blah, blah. And he having this ego aptly named, you know, he's able to turn that around and really see that goodness can come from anywhere and talent can come from anywhere. It's just a really great story. I love the music. Michael Giacchino, you know, he was brought in with Brad Bird for The Incredibles, you know, and Ratatouille. And he's actually stuck around and done quite a few mm-hmm. scores for Pixar. And now he's everywhere. Yes. He's doing he's doing Star Wars scores. He's doing Mission Impossible. He's doing this, this and that. Like he's one of the big dogs in Hollywood now. And he's very talented. He learned how to play the game. Good for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think I need to rewatch Ratatouille in a different mindset because I just remember when I watched it before, I was not much of a fan and so it showed that in our episode, I just was not there for it. Um, <laughs> but I think I need to go back and rewatch it just kind of with new eyes. But at the same time, here's a little known fact about me. I do not have the full spectrum of smell. When I was like seven years old, I tripped on a thing and I fell and I like sliced my nose. And so it kind of like broke a little bit. And so I can't smell all the smells, which means <laughs> that. Food to me is more of a necessity versus something that I actually take joy in. The idea of standing and cooking, I just hate. I hate cooking. I like everything about it. I'm just like, I'm never going to like fully enjoy this. Why do I have to like waste so much time cooking something? Just give it to me. So this is, it's, it is my life, but I think I need to go in and look at it from a different from not a cooking or food perspective and just as a, as a better story perspective, maybe, I don't know, but everybody is all of all the rage about it. So I need to go in and solidify my opinions in a way that is not tainted by my, my situation, I guess. <laughs> hey, don't take my word for it. Ah, didn't do <laughs> So next up, Ratatouille 2008. This was directed by Andrew Stanton. Andrew Stanton previously directed Finding Nemo. He's always had very creative films that he has done. This did $521 million. And you mean Wally? What I was ex- you said Ratatouille. Yes, what did I? Ratatouille, Ratatouille, Ratatouille. Wall E. So Wally. this one is interesting. This is one that I was excited for. But then when I saw it, it was kind of like, huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I just don't love Wall E. It's boring and it's not because it doesn't have dialogue it's actually really interesting for the first 30 minutes but then it just goes into space with you know all these basically this future society Mm -hmm. where no one moves and everyone's completely obese and overweight and there's no need to exercise you just start getting larger and larger and larger and it's just this dystopian world (laughs) that no i i want nothing to do with um, living in a spaceship out of because Earth is so bad. I get what they're trying to say. Yeah, with the message. I understand the message. I still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I agree. I feel like it was very interesting when it was just kind of like the two person or the two character dynamic, and then you have the little bug in there. So it's like it adds that it's 
it adds a, a bit of interest in there of like, I wonder how all this is and what's happening. And then when you add, I think the greater message for me kind of spoils the film because I'm, I'm more interested in, in a one-on-one -on -one story versus like a macro. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not as engaging to me. We know Chelsea that you, I do like not trees. Enjoy, you like trees, but you don't like being preached to about trees. I <laughs> and I feel like this one is a little heavy handed. I agree. And that probably is the reason why you don't necessarily love it as much. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Next up is up from Aww. 2009. Pete doctor up did $735 million. This was kind of unexpected, but this is, when you think of classic Pixar and their unique storytelling and unique characters and pairings, Up is one of these films. Yes. It's the married life scene that gets you every time. I don't even know if there is a movie after the married life scene, because <laughs> like, that is such a movie, that is such a scene <laughs> that sticks with you. It could have been a short. It could have been. That. And mm -hmm. it would have made that much money, I'm sure. Because when people think about this movie, they think about that. They think about just the life that is lived and it, it does a great job of, of pulling you in with just such sweet, innocent storylines, you know? And mm -hmm. then later on, it goes into this huge adventure, which it kind of gets a little muddled, but it ends well, which I like. You always go back to the married life scene. And I've even tried to learn that on the piano because it's just so sweet. <laughs> oh, look at you. Look at me. Yeah, I do think this does kind of lose it towards the end with the talking dogs and mm -hmm. it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, still so iconic. For me, I'd, it's still iconic. Squirrel for sure. is it's, is ubiquitous now. Oh, for sure. It just gets a little odd. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I don't I don't necessarily love it, although I can't say like it wasn't odd at the beginning with the house flying. Right, up. right, right. But that's just kind of whimsical. yeah. So, okay, next up, the last of the golden age. We have Toy Story 3, 2010, Lee Unkrich. This time, this is actually his first film that he directed. He was an editor from the very beginning. So I believe he was the editor of Toy Story and just did all, tons of these films as the, the main editor. Editors are the unsung the heroes of film. Oh, yeah. There are so like, for example, I saw a video on how they should have made Captain Marvel like this. This guy, he does a YouTube video on how they really should have edited this film to make it so it actually made sense. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really this really would have changed everything about that movie if it just would have mm -hmm. been edited differently. And you look at each one of these films and I do believe that they they come in and with animation, it is very much sequential. So you, there's not a lot of going back and reformatting things, but there there probably is. Anyway, shout out to all of the unseen heroes in post-production editing. This film did phenomenally well. Oh, gosh. How could One it not? Billion, One point zero six six billion dollars. But you're right. How could it not? It had the first two iconic Pixar films holding it up. It'd been 10 years since we'd had a Toy Story film and it's so good. The ending, mm -hmm. it just perfectly ties it all together in a nice bow. But at the same time, it's really sad how it all wraps up. Yeah, but it's really fun along the way. I love Barbie. I love Ken so much. I yes. think they're great characters and 
you know, we have another, I guess, surprise Pixar villain, which yeah, he's okay, but <laughs> yeah, Toy Story three. I was not able to see this in theaters, and so it was one that I had to go back and rewatch. Like not rewatch, I had to watch it on my own. Which I wish I would have had the theater experience for this because I th- I feel like it would have made it cemented in my mind to have that. But having seen it multiple times now on the small screen, the storytelling is flawless. They just do such a great job of of wrapping you in once again, feeling bad for growing up. But at the same time, like seeing how all of these things fit together and they made a perfect trilogy with this ending. Mm -hmm. So good. So iconic. So classic. I, ah, Toy Story 3. You did it right. $200 million budget, which is pretty interesting. The first Toy Story had a $30 million budget. Toy Story 2 had a 90 million and this one was 200 million. It's just interesting, actually, since then, the films have really never hit higher than a 200 million dollar budget. Yeah. They're anywhere between like 175 to 200. Yeah. Consistently over the next 12 years. Yes. So, but this was the biggest up until that time. Love it so much. (sighs) We'll talk about the future of the Toy Story. We thought this was the end. (laughs) Talk about that another day. All right. That is the golden age. And wait, so why did why did you decide to name these the golden age? Because you're the one that went ahead and like separated them. Well, I didn't name these. There was a Reddit post that kind of someone had broken these down. And this these were the names that they had given them. I said, "Eh, that story fits. (laughs) But it's like, okay, is it the golden age? What else would you name it? It's like, here's the classic era. Totally classic. Really good. The golden age. Very excellent. Yes. Right. So the classic era, I mean, it makes sense. It's like setting up the classics. They were all great. Fantastic. And I think the golden age was just like we were really hitting our stride. There were no duds here. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So I'm gonna call it the golden age. Okay. Stick into it. (laughs) Well, thank the Reddit poster for that. (laughs) (laughs) So with that... Let's rank them. All right. So for me, number six. So this is six films. So number six for me is Wally, and then probably Cars, then Ratatouille, and then we're gonna do Incredibles, then Up, and then Toy Story three. Oof, this is hard. Number six, Wally for sure. Number five, Cars. Number four, I'm gonna do Up. Okay. Number three. Which Brad Bird? <laughs> I know. Um, the Incredibles. Okay. Number two, Ratatouille. Number one, Toy Story three. Okay. Yeah. Oh, pick your bird. That was hard. <laughs> but I did it. Ah, and here we are. Here we are. What a great time! I've loved talking about these films with you. Let us know your thoughts about the Pixar Golden Age. Do you have another name for this? What else would you call it? Do you like the 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 ranking where we've kind of divided it? You know, after Finding Nemo, that was the end of the classic era. Now we're moving on. Let us know. Go to rotoscopers.com slash 273 and let us know all your thoughts there in the comments. We still have two more episodes of these just to tease it out. We have the sequel era. I think I'm going to call it the the sequel age because all of the Pixar ones have been called the age. Ah, yes. While all of the Disney ones were eras. So we're just going to call this the the sequel age. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Then finally, we we're still kind of trying to figure out what to call this most recent Pixar age. Is it the the COVID age? 
or is it the post Lassiter age? I I think that's pretty good title, although I I would like to find maybe another name that's no not so distinctly hinged on a person uh-huh because even disney we didn't have like the post walt disney age right right it was just the bronze age you know so we will talk about <laughs> it's it it's the bronze age <laughs> third place for you <laughs> you know are we really i mean I, I guess we have introduced the concept of golden age um so hey we could throw in a a bronze there. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like we're yeah we'll, we'll discuss this later <laughs> let us know your thoughts in the in the comments if you have a name for basically what this refers to is onward and beyond literally because it ends with light year yeah soul luca turning red etc etc so right now we're we will get there in a few episodes but if we have a better name coming up let us know that's all we have for today until next time we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Hold on. My baby woke up. Okay. And he should go back to sleep, but just give me a sec. See how this goes. He's starting to talk. I know. So many little words. Okay, so we're talking about cars. My distractions did not last very long. He has now come in and is spinning my chair. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Woo! Oh, crap. Woo! Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. Hold on. Whew. Do we have the Zoom backup? Oh, gosh. Woo! Phew! <laughs> There's nothing like nothing worse than being on a podcast and hearing, oh, no, <laughs> at the end of it. All. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's not a good thing. But I, I heard we are the rotoscopers on the test. So I'm like, OK, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news reviews.